Dan Bongino. You want the truth? Come to this podcast. You want someone to BS you and be full of crap? Go to a political rally. The Dan Bongino Show. We have to call it what it is, and we have to stop being delicate about it. Get ready to hear the truth about America. We're not like the leftists. The conservatives don't need safe spaces. They don't need lollipops and coloring books and teddy bears. I'm good, okay? On a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. All right, welcome to the Renegade Republic of Dan Bongino. Producer Joe, how are you today? Hey, Monday, Dano. Let's go, yeah, baby. Yeah, looking forward to today's show. But All my yeah. energy yeah, sitting there and being stored like in a gas tank all weekend, <laughs> ready to rock and roll and pour it into that Raptor engine, bury the gas, and let's, let's rock and roll with it is right. <laughs> all right, a um, couple things over the weekend, but the guy who, by the way, sent me that thing on Facebook, that meme... You are the funniest dude ever. So if you haven't seen it, if you go to my Facebook page and you see visitors posts, that's uh, when other people post on my page. I let, uh, you know, I let people do that. You can shut it off, but I think it's kind of funny, especially when the liberals post. A guy posted a thing for you regular viewers, which you'll find hysterical. <laughs> Most of you know who uh, uh, Ayn Rand is and, and the book Atlas Shrugged and yeah. you know the, who is John Galt. It was a yeah. shirt. Uh, for those of you who don't never read the book, who is John Galt became like a rallying cry, you know, get people to go and read the book. Atlas Shrugged. It's a uh, Ayn Rand was a big libertarian, and uh, it was it was a, it was an interesting book. It's a great book. It's a really long book, but it's a pretty cool book to read. Someone put on my Facebook, which is hysterical. Who is John Galt? But more importantly. Who is Jay Zabacus? And that is whoever. You're a genius. I forget your name. I think it was Carlos. You're a genius. I actually saved the photo and oh. I put it on my Twitter. And I, I was thinking to put it on my Instagram. And seriously, I'd love your feedback. I think we should do. Let me know, folks. This show is all for you. I think we should do a bumper sticker or a mug. Who is Jay Zabacus? <laughs> I really do. Yeah. Uh, right? Who's Jay Zavikis? <laughs> the greatest thing ever. So, a lot going on this weekend. Found out. Yeah. Just an injury update. And thank you for the emails. So, my right shoulder is a mess. Mm-hmm. I have a rotator cuff tear, which is absolutely wonderful. But yeah. thank you for the guy who recommended me this CMO product. I'm going to give this a try. I read a lot about it. This It's, it's a, some kind of fatty acid or fatty mm. ester or something like that. And uh, mm-hmm. I'm going to give that a shot. Uh, he says it swears by it for his joints. So, thanks for the advice on that. All right, diving right in. So, Here we go. Um, you know, Hillary's losing her mind again. She was out there this weekend with this stupid book, What Happened? Uh, what Happened? You Happened. That's what ha- you happened. You, you, you ran for office. That's what happened. Um, she's angry. She's bitter. Uh, and, and for those of you who listen to the show regularly, you know, I worked with Hillary. And although I don't do a lot of Danielle Steele type Jackie Collins, whatever, uh, tell all books. And I, I've tried to avoid that in my Secret Service books at all costs. I feel it's important to tell you that Hillary is an awful awful human being. Um, She is, folks. She's terrible. I've never said that about Obama personally, because he wasn't. You know, I I disagree with his politics, obviously, or any of his family members. They were pleasant to us, although they, you know, ruined the country. Um, Hillary's an awful person. She's a terrible, mean person. I saw it up close and personal. So she's at it again. And she's engaged in this identity politics stuff, okay? Because she can't get away from it. Joe, you have that cut ready? Yeah, man. So here's her this weekend uh, talking about Colin Kaepernick and dog whistles. And folks, this is simply, cynically an effort for Hillary to stay politically relevant. Play that cut. You have to resist what are very clear... Uh, what we call dog whistles mm. to that base. Uh, that's what the black athletes kneeling was about. That was not against our anthem or our flag. <laughs> that was actually kneeling as a reverent position. Oh! It was to demonstrate yeah, yeah. 
in a peaceful way nice. against racism and injustice yeah. in our criminal system. I think yeah. it would be a grave error for Democrats to recede from those fights. And so therefore we have to stand up, fight back, resist. Yeah, that's that's great advice, Hillary, despite the fact that the polling says that 57 percent, uh, possibly more uh, based on the, uh, you know, the standard error in all these pollings. 57 percent of Americans think you should stand for the flag. So, yes, it's great yeah. advice for Democrats. Democrats listening, please, I'm, I'm imploring you as, as, a, as a friend. Actually not. I'm obviously not your friend. But let's put air quotes around friend. As a friend, please take <laughs> Hillary's advice and continue with this stupidity. Why? I wanted to bring this up, though, for a couple of reasons. Not that double down. The NFL story is frankly getting old. I mean, no, no, but people are just tuning out. I don't even watch yeah. it anymore. I haven't watched it in a year and a half. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> sayonara. Don't care. I mean, really. Didn't even miss it a little bit this weekend. Take that league and shove and it. shove it. Yeah, that, you're darn you right. But this is what I find funny about this. This is gaslighting at its best. For you Mm -hmm. regular listeners, you know what gaslighting is. Democrats do it all the time. It's an effort to reframe facts as alternate facts. In other words, to lie. Reframing is is a Democrat term for lying. Okay, they lie about things. They repeat the lie over and over again. They repeat it confidently like she always does. And they get you and they isolate you from the truth. And the Democrats isolate you from the truth by controlling academia, the media and Hollywood. You never hear the truth. You only hear the lie repeatedly. So you actually come to believe it's true. What Mm -hmm. was the lie there? I mean, you heard it. You can obviously rewind it and listen again. It's a great part about podcasting. But she opens it up by saying this was not a protest by the against the country or against the flag. Okay, let, let right. me just give you Colin Kaepernick's own words from NFL.com, by the way, which I'm not even going to put in the show notes because it's useless. These, Trust me when I tell you these are his words, okay? After a preseason loss to Green Bay at Levi's Stadium on Friday night, this is when this was said. This was last year, by the way. Here's Kaepernick's own words about why he's protesting. I am not going to stand up to show pride in a flag for a country that oppresses black people and people of color. He is he's stating clearly why he's protesting. He is not protest. He is not going to show pride in his country. Those are his words. I am not going to stand up to show pride in a flag for a country that oppresses black people and people of color. He's a million dollar athlete, by the way, in the NFL. He's oppressed while he's making millions. Please, oppress me for millions, by the way. He's telling you right there the protest was against the flag. Now, why am I bringing this up again? One, because I enjoy Hillary's stories because she's such an evil person that, I, I mean, if you saw what I saw, you'd understand my animosity and everyone else who knows her, by the way. Believe me, the Secret Service guys are just keeping quiet on this because they need this, they they need to keep hold on to their pensions. I don't care. I, I wanted no connection to that at all. I cashed mine out. I'm like, I'm done. Because the woman is really a cancer to the country. So she's telling you the opposite of what Kaepernick told you. It started this. Why is she doing this? Well, fascinating piece today. Uh, but actually, it's from last week. Someone may have sent this to me an email. If they did, I'm sorry. But I saw it somewhere. There's an article in The Hill, which I will put in the show notes, available at Bongino.com. Please subscribe today. This is a must-read article. You subscribe to my email list. I'll send you these articles. You don't have to worry about it. But it's available at Bongino.com in my show notes. It's from last week. This is an article, Joe, by Hillary Clinton's pollster, okay? This is not a conservative who wrote this. No. A guy named Mark Penn. The article is amazing. And he talks about, in the poll, are, are the approval polls wrong again? Now, I'm going to tie this into the Hillary thing in a moment. But are Trump's approval polls wrong again? Now, we discussed in a show last week one of the reasons why we think the general polling is off because there's an extraordinary number of undecideds. You remember that show? Mm-hmm. 
There's another Washington Examiner piece. If you're listening to our library, you probably heard it already. If not, go back and listen. Um, There was a, there's a, when it comes to reelects, you know, is Trump going to get reelected and those type of polls? There's a theory out there that the polls are wrong consistently on Trump because there's so many undecideds. In other words, people, a normal amount of undecideds, I think, is five to six percent. When you poll about Trump, it it goes up to somewhere between 15 and 20 percent. That's very, very unusual. And the pollsters are starting to believe that people just don't want to answer the questions over the phone on Trump, Joe. Right. Now, this is, an, this is an article that takes a different tact. He talks about approval polls, and he says, are the approval polls wrong again? And here's his theory on this. He says, which is a good one, the problem with the polls, Joe, which are systemic, are most of these polls that are polling are polling all adults. Mm. Well, why would you poll all adults? I mean, Joe, just mm. being candid, this, this is politics, right? Yeah. Politics is the projection of power. The projection of power and power is obtained through elections. Elections mm. are won through votes. Why would you honestly, why do you care what all adults think? That may be nice. I mean, it may be it make you feel good if you're a Democrat. Mm-hmm. Well, all adults. Are, if you're not voting, what does the poll matter? Again, it may be ego puffery. Oh, look, the Democrats, all adults say, you know, 60 percent of adults say they don't like Trump. Are they voting? Mm-hmm. Well, they don't vote. Well, what do you care? This is a really big problem that they're polling all adults and they're not polling likely or registered voters. Uh, Matter of fact, some of these Joe, quote, all adults polls will even find uh, in their sample size a bunch of uh, uh, illegal immigrants who are here illegally who can't vote. Well, Mm. if you read that story about in Philly.com today about the Pennsylvania Secretary of State who stepped down. Did you see this one, Joe? No. He stepped down because the motor voter system was allow- allowing illegal aliens to vote. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, so really? but it may not even be a problem, you know, but all, all adults. But that's a really big issue. You don't want to poll all adults because all adults don't vote. There are people who are likely, who are registered. Um, there are all different ways to do this. So, again, combine that with the number of undecideds. And uh, this is me telling you as as a friend, not as an acolyte of any party i you know i find myself to be more of a conservatarian these days than a than a republican anyway but i'm just telling you i think the polls on trump are off and are way off and i think the democrats are setting themselves up in 2018 for a big problem why does this matter though because at the end of the piece penn brings up a fascinating point that i wanted to kind of pile on a little bit more one of the points he makes too about these polls and why he thinks a lot of this polling and approval rating stuff mm-hmm. is not going to matter as much. And he doesn't jump to the conclusion I'm going to, but he says Trump is the opposite of Obama. This is his point, which is a good one. Remember under Obama, Joe, that when you ask people about the issues, what direction is the country headed in? I mean, this is stuff we covered on the show repeatedly. Yeah. It never went in Obama's favor. We're headed in the wrong mm-hmm. direction. How do you feel about the economy? We don't feel good about the economy. Do you like Obamacare? We don't like it. And then what happened? Obama was reelected. And I have to tell you, folks, a lot of us were just stunned. I mean, me included. Mm -hmm. I was willing to bet the farm on the fact that Romney was going to win. It just didn't correspond with what I was hearing on the ground. People, when I was knocking on doors running myself in the Senate race at that time, during the reelect for Obama, people were really pissed off. The economy, Obamacare, health care, everything. The state of the country. Yeah. But Obama not only won, he won Joe handily. I mean, it wasn't yep. even really that close, to be honest with you. I mean, it was it was it was a route. So Penn makes a very astute point. He says, listen, Trump is the opposite of Obama. In other words, Obama won on basically a cult of personality, Joe, that mm-hmm. people really liked Obama. Now, folks, again, I'm not 
speaking for everyone, but this is his theory, you know, and I, I think there's something to it. Obama came off to a bunch of moderate Americans, moderate Democrats and, you know, weak Republicans, frankly, as a likable guy. And that cult of personality won out. But he never. Here's my problem with the piece. He doesn't give you a why. You know, I'm into the why. Why yeah. matters. Right. Well, why? Why do people vote against their own interests? And, and and why are they not doing it now? So contrast that with his theory about Trump now. So just setting it up uh, quick. He says approval polls are off. They're polling all adults. And he says, secondly, the approval ratings, forget them for a moment, because this guy's the opposite of Obama, where people didn't approve Obama's policies, but liked him personally. But with Trump, even though they may disapprove of him, it's not a cult of personality anymore. It's uh, people are voting their wallets. Is that, am I making sense here? Sure. But he never gives you the why. Mm-hmm. So you Hmm. should be asking yourself, as I'm sure most of you are, well, why is that then? Hmm. Why did people with Obama vote against their own inclinations about the economy? Because they didn't like, folks, the polls were clear as day under Obama. Right direction, wrong direction. They all were were going in the wrong direction. They didn't like Obamacare. They didn't like where the economy was going. Yet people uh, re-voted for him again based on personality traits. Why are they now telling approval pollsters, all adults in these polls, saying, We don't like Trump, but he got elected. And Penn, who's a Democrat, is warning the Republicans that this may not mean anything because people aren't voting personality anymore like they voted for Obama. They're now voting on their wallets. And they think Trump, based on the exact same polls, right direction, wrong direction, how do you feel the economy's doing, are now saying the economy's doing well, unlike they said under Obama, Joe. And right direction, wrong direction are saying right direction. Mm Mm-hmm. Make sense? Did I set that up right? Yeah, you, you did good. Yeah. Okay, you did good. What are you going to do? Yeah. What, what, why the shift, though? By the way, someone sent me a really funny response to that. When I put out the who is Jay Zabacus, someone yeah. said, I don't know. What are you going to do? So that, that's <laughs> how you know you're a loyal listener. You're not only aware of Jay Zabacus, you're aware of what are you going to do? Why the shift? Here's the Dan Bongino theory, and Penn doesn't make the leap. He may in his personal, but he isn't in the piece, you know? Folks, the Obama coalition was largely composed of minority voters and younger voters who found Obama's personality to be enough to get them over the hump. These voters did not show up for Hillary. Minority voters, younger voters, not in the numbers they did for Obama. That's clear as day. I mean, she didn't win and she didn't have that coalition. The coalition of interest groups on the left... Minority voters and young voters got Obama over the hump in both elections. Now, why would some of those very same voters not show up to elect Hillary? And now, in turn, some of them vote for Trump, despite the fact that they don't like him. What do you think's changed? Hmm. Folks, the answer, I think, is a very simple one. Time. They just got older. These very same younger voters who were voting on basically a cult of Obama personality where, Joe, let's be, I'm not, Mm -hmm. folks, please don't take this the wrong way. I mean, I'm not trying to be, you know, I don't candy ass anything of the show. 
but I'm really not maligning younger voters. I'm not. I know it's an no. easy thing to do. I'm just saying that when you're younger, because I was and many of you were too, you're more impressionable to outward, you know, characteristics and personality traits. And, and you just don't have the base and bedrock of information, maybe because you don't have a lot of work experience or mm-hmm. you haven't pursued, you know, academically a lot of your interests. You just don't have the ability, the wherewithal you will later in life to analyze policies as they affect you. I mean, makes sense, Joe. When you're 18 mm-hmm. and you're voting, you probably don't own a home, right? You, I mean, you how don't many, have the life experience yet? No. Yeah, bingo. You don't. I mean, Joe and I just—this is a matter of being old. Mm. I mean, it, it's, it's not an accomplishment being old. We've <laughs> just been through more as a matter of chronological time. We own, you know, we own homes, we own cars. Things that happen in the real world affects us. These voters who were voting for Obama now, you know, nine years ago, you know, may have been 18 or now 27. And now they're like, hey, that Obamacare thing sucks. I just got my first insurance bill. It's just a matter of time. So I think where Penn, he makes a great, his theory is great, but I think he fails to make the jump. And I think this bodes very well. And to sum this all up uh, for Republicans, that is, especially for Trump, maybe not for all Republicans, because a lot of them are just failing for different reasons altogether and not sticking to their principles. But I just want you out there to be very, very, I mean, show up, get motivated, show up in 2018, show up in 2020. But I don't want you to panic over these approval polls. Remember, this is a Clinton pollster that wrote this piece, okay? Mm. Don't panic. A lot of this stuff, I think Trump's approval polls could go down into the high 30s and he could potentially still win because I think that is absolutely correct. People will, when asked on the phone, do you approve of Trump? They don't like the tweets, Joe. They may not like his personality. He's brash. He's a Queens guy. I'm a Queens guy. A lot of people don't like me. It's fine. But they understand that they now own homes and they now have jobs and the country's headed in the right direction. They're going to vote for him. We'll see. I mean, we'll see in 2020. Go back and play this episode and we'll find out. But really, really good piece in the hill. I will put it in the show notes. Please go read it. All right. Today's show brought to you by our buddies at Brickhouse Nutrition. I had a long conversation with my buddy, Miles. These guys are just doing crazy stuff. Um, I, I'm not, I can't release information yet, but they're, they got a phenomenal new product coming out that uh, I got to tell you, of all their products they have now, Foundation and Don't the Dusk, this one I'm the most stoked about, but I'm not allowed to say yet. I will soon but it's pretty cool. But uh, today I want to talk about Dawn to Dusk. It's their energy product. I get rave reviews about this product. I get probably five to six emails a day. I forward miles to really good ones. It's a great product, folks. The big problem with energy drinks and energy, energy supplements in our busy lives out there where you take them, you know, you have a, you know, an energy drink or a coffee, a big cup of strong coffee. And a couple hours later, you're just, you're tired again. You need another cup and another cup. These guys said, listen, we can do this in a time release fashion. That way you get a really smooth elevation and mood and energy and get through the entire day. You don't have to worry about stopping at the 7-Eleven or the Starbucks 15 times. It's a great product. I get rave reviews about it. It's life-changing. Give it a shot. It's called Dawn to Dusk. It's available at BrickHouseNutrition.com. That's BrickHouseNutrition.com. I give out my email, Daniel at Bongino, because I love to read the reviews on it. They're always good. Go check it out. Dawn to Dusk, available at BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan. Sorry. That's my special link. So BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan if you want to support the show and support our sponsors and try a really, really good product. All right. Now, you may say, well, you said you were going to tie that to the Hillary piece. That story about how millennial voters who supported Trump and frankly, a lot of minority voters as well, why they supported Trump. How does that tie to the Hillary piece? Folks, 
Hillary, if you if you go back and listen to that that quote in the beginning where she's trying to hammer the Kaepernick thing, Hillary is a political creature of the worst kind. I've heard her talk. I've heard her talk behind the scenes. She cares about nothing more than her own political career, her own political reputation. She will flip on a dime on any issue if she thinks it'll. I can't say if she thinks it'll benefit her. I can't say enough things about her to warn you how malignant of a personality she has and how dangerous she would be if she was in charge of anything. I'm sure it comes through in my voice. Because I'm really concerned about her reentering the political scene. She's a dangerous person. Why would she go back to this identity politics thing now? She's an astute political creature. Folks, I don't know if she's going to run again. Um, I said I thought she would a little while ago on a podcast. I'm still leaning in that direction. That I think she's setting herself up unbelievably for another run. Mm -hmm. uh, Which I find myself shocking but i don't see any other reason she would be doing what she's doing in aggravated base but why is she going back to identity politics identity politics is at the core of the kaepernick issue it's a me and she's trying to distract you she's trying to say oh this is you know this is about this and that and the other thing despite the fact that kaepernick himself said it's about not being able to show pride in the flag that's kaepernick's own words why is she gaslighting and saying it's about systemic oppression and all this nonsense despite the fact that it's a million dollar athlete Folks, she's doing it because I think the Democrats are worried right now. They're worried that this movement from from Obama to Trump as millennial voters mature and start voting their pocketbooks and not personality anymore, Joe, mm-hmm. are going to leave behind only the angriest of voters. Now, you may say, well, how does that benefit the Democrats? Folks, it doesn't. The point I'm trying to make is you have to get through a primary before you can get through a general election ballot in a national election. And even at the state level in Senate races and gubernatorial races, I think the Democrats are realizing what's happening. They're seeing a lot of these voters that voted for the cult of Obama personality and voted against their own interests, actually, because they thought Obama was a nice guy. Now moving over to Trump, voting against Trump's personality before their pocketbook, and they're finding that the only people left behind who are going to show up in primaries, Joe, are the angriest of angry liberals. And the angriest of angry liberals, Joe, are only motivated by anger. They don't have a platform. Their platform is is hypocritical to their very existence. They don't donate more in taxes. They send their kids to elite private schools, but they want higher taxes and they want public education. What motivates them to show up is an anger at Trump. So they know identity politics and accusing people randomly of racism, misogyny, xenophobia is the only way they will win a primary. And I think they think they'll just chance it on the general election. You know what I'm saying, Joe? Like Republican vote because they have nothing else. So... Where's that going with this? With the oh, oh, oh. They are appealing only to the angriest of people. This is why Hillary's sticking with the identity politics thing. But I saw a story this weekend uh, at the Daily Signal that I'll put in the show notes, which is absolutely bizarre, but makes my point again that liberals aren't really playing for the general election right now. They're playing for the primaries and they're catering only to the angriest of voters using identity politics. And his story is another one that shows you I'm not just making this up. Hillary is not dumb. She's doing this because she understands it's all the Democrats now have left. Everybody they, they, they ran on on the economy and they tried to run an economic message has already left. They only have transgender bathrooms right now, false charges of racism. That's it. And they're hoping to motivate the, the, left, the left's angry base, which is all that is left to go to the polls. So story at the Daily Signal, which is, Joe, this is, this is one of those stories. You're like, can liberals be this dumb? And the answer hmm. is yes. Um. It's almost always yes. <laughs> There's a Colorado baker. Guy's name is Jack Phillips. 
It's a Daily Signal story. This guy was sued, you know, for, it was a gay wedding cake thing. He didn't want to bake a cake for yeah. a gay wedding. You know, God forbid the guy's Christian, doesn't want to partake in a ceremony he feels violates his religious beliefs. You know, the Democrats, the Democrats can't just let good enough be good enough. Of course, the Democrats have to punish because, again, the only people left are the angry base on the left. They don't have anything else. The JFK Dems are gone, at least in the primary season. Now, instead of leaving just suing the guy and trying to bankrupt him for not wanting to bake a cake for a gay wedding. Joe, that's not good enough now. Because remember, they're angry. So now someone sends this guy an email requesting him. He's a Christian, by the way, in case you missed that part. They want him to design a cake celebrating Satan's birthday. I am not here. No, 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 no. I'm not (laughs) making this up. It's uh, put it in the show notes. Read the darn story yourself. Now they're insisting he make a cake with an upside down cross and like a Satan head on top. Like what kind of Satan head? Like with the horns or is it like um, Reagan from the exorcist Satan head? Like which, which iteration are we talking here? They want him to make a Satan cake and they're saying, you know, religion's protected and we are Satanists. Folks, this is again, Again, it's obsession with the left. They have an angry base left, and this is all they can cater to. This is all they have. They have no substantial policies. Their entire base is motivated by revenge. That's all they want. They want to keep the focus on aggravating black voters through false charges of racism against the GOP, aggravating people who... um, Aggravating transgender voters by keep bringing up this bathroom issue, which appeals to almost no one but a very limited angry base. They want to keep suing Christian bakers out there. Now they want bakers to make Satan cakes. Dems, I mean, again, I'm not here to give you advice. I'm just saying that this is it. Satan cakes. Man. Satan cakes. Uh, Satan yeah. cakes, bailouts for insurance companies under Obamacare. I'll get to that in a second. Go to hell. Yeah, I mean, oh, what are you gonna do? I Wait. mean, this is this is the best you got. This is the, your platform, 2020. Uh, you know, vote Harry Smith for president. We support Satan cakes, Obamacare <laughs> bailouts, and the and the Iranian mullahs. Uh, vote Smith 2020. This is all you have. I mean, seriously, Jay Zabakis would have a better chance. Yeah, so. He would. He's got better name ID. Do my show. I know he'd get at least 25,000 votes based on my audience. So that's what we get in about 24 hours in listeners. So I know exactly how many we have. Folks, this is unbelievable. This is this is the best they've got. Satan cakes. The Democrats, the party of Satan cakes. I mean, I shouldn't laugh. It's really not. It's not funny. But in a way, it's like you don't laugh. You're going to cry. So read the article. It's in the show notes. And again, it just doubles down on my point. They only have the angry left yet. All right. I got a couple other stories to get through here. Um, before I get to them, I want to just cover up my Patriot Supply. Great sponsor of ours. Love these guys. They produce emergency food, some of the best emergency food out there. And you may say to yourself, you know, fair enough. Well, what do I need emergency food for? Uh, well, that's the whole idea behind an emergency, folks, is you rarely know when it's going to happen. If you knew when it was going to happen, it wouldn't be an emergency. You know, we ensure everything in our lives that matter. We ensure our cars, our home, our health. How do you not ensure your food supply? Now, I have a lot. I ensure a lot of my food supply. I have seeds. I have boxes from my Patriot Supply. I have their fruit and vegetable packet. But at a minimum, it's probably pretty smart to get a one-month supply of emergency food. And they'll send it to you in a nice box there. Come to your house for just $99. That's the Dan Bongino price there. It's available at preparewithdan.com. That's preparewithdan.com. 
Com, please pick it up. I mean, it's, it's it's a small insurance policy for $99 to make sure if your food supply is interrupted, you can at least get through a month. It lasts for 25 years, just takes water to prepare, really easy to store. And folks, it just makes sense. I have tons of boxes of it because I have, uh, you know, as me, there's four of us in the household. So for me, it just makes sense to get more than one. So go to preparewithdan.com. Please support our sponsors. They're a great company. They do a lot of good charity work. Uh, preparewithdan.com. Pick it up. All right, I got a... um. Email from a viewer. I always appreciate these, and they're really, really good. And it was about the disaster brewing right now with the NHS. The NHS, for those of you who don't know what that is, the National Health Service in the United Kingdom, is the single-payer healthcare system in the UK. Now, they are, and this is a quote from the piece, Joe, the NHS, government-run healthcare mm-hmm. in the United Kingdom, is sleepwalking into a winter crisis. That's a quote from a piece in The Independent which I, I strongly encourage you to read, available at the show notes again today. But sent in from a viewer, or a listener, I should say, and it's a terrific piece. And why am I bringing this up? Because, folks, this Obamacare, the, the Trump uh, EO to get rid of, executive order to get rid of these cost-sharing payments is going to bury Obamacare. Um, I say that because the 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 cost sharing payments were were taxpayer bailouts for insurance companies that basically couldn't make money by taking on uh, sick uh, ec- an extra population of sick clients because of the way it was set up. I, I said I said that in a bad. I'm, I'm not. I didn't explain that well enough. They were bailouts for insurance companies that were forced to take on sick sick clients uh, because of the individual mandate community rating, but couldn't charge them for the amount of money they were costing the insurance companies. That makes sense, right? If yeah. you were a sick client in an insurance company, mm-hmm. you are going to cost money because you're going to require medical care. Again, this is only tough for liberals that can't seem to understand basic math when it comes to you know actuarial accounting and things like that. The Democrats seem to think that these costs disappear because they say so. Well, they don't. Doctors have to get paid. Nurses have to get paid. Administrative assistants have to get paid. Landlords who own hospitals and and and, uh, and doctors' offices have to get paid. There, the economy runs based on a value system where we transmit value to other people in exchange for services and goods. This is only complicated to the left. The left thought by instituting Obamacare and saying, no, 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 you are going to give insurance to these people, but you're not going to charge them for what they cost, that the costs disappear. Well, they didn't disappear. The insurance companies were then forced, of course, to pay out more than they were taking in from these clients. Make sense? Yeah. So what happened? So the cost didn't disappear. The costs just were turned over to you, the taxpayer, through taxpayer bailouts. The catch with these Obamacare um, bailouts were the money was never appropriated by Congress. Obama basically just raided the Treasury, which is completely unconstitutional. The power of the purse is vested exclusively in the legislative branch. That is not that's not a question. So the, they, they were deemed unconstitutional. These payments, they were bailout payments. Now, now that Trump has stopped these bailout payments, folks, Obamacare has been exposed. They did a show on it last week. I don't want to repeat it today, but it's been exposed because you can't keep the cost structures. It's not going to marry up. You can't keep charging people this amount of money while paying out more. Someone's going to pay the difference. So now Obamacare is not going to survive. That's the bad news. It can't. It can't survive without these subsidies. That's why the Democrats are in a panic mm-hmm. now. How does this relate to the the story in the Independent about the NHS? The Democrats are in a panic right now because they uh, listen to me and listen good on this one because this is absolutely crystal clear. They know with one hundred percent certainty that it cannot survive without these subsidies. They're afraid they are still going to be blamed. Now, how do I know this, Joe? 
<laughs> because I pay attention. I listen all the time to the language. I listen to the gaslighting. I listen to the, quote, reframing Democrat terminology for lying. And did you notice now when the Democrats are on TV and they're on cable news? Listen to them talk about it. What do they call Obamacare now? Oh, oh, now all of a sudden it's not Obamacare. It's the Affordable Care Act. Why do you think that? Why do you think the shift, despite Obamacare being very proud to call it Obamacare? Um, excuse me, despite mm-hmm. Obama saying it was you know, Obamacare. We're proud of it. Remember you said that in a debate? Mm-hmm. Why all of a sudden are they shifting? Now, you know, some of them called it the ACA the whole time, but now you're seeing it almost exclusively referred to, referred to as the Affordable Care Act. Trying to because, rebrand it, yeah. Yes, yes, because mm-hmm. they're terrified because it's going to collapse. Mm-hmm. And when it collapses, if it's if it's eponymously named after Obama, they're afraid people are going to blame Obama, so they're switching the conversation to the Affordable Care Act, and they're going to try to say Trump owns it now. Trump owns it, he sabotaged it. You can't sab- you cannot sabotage Obamacare. Obamacare sabotaged itself. I made a joke on Twitter I tweeted out trying to sabotage Obamacare is like trying to sabotage Cop Rock remember that show was it Stephen Bochco show it was the worst show ever the cops were singing and stuff. it was like laughed at I think they canceled it after like two three episodes it, it was just a bad idea Cop Rock <laughs> Obamacare is the cop rock of healthcare. It was a bad idea from the start. It was designed in such a way to tell insurance companies, you will pay out X amount of money despite not receiving X amount of money from people who are your clients. That is not a business model that can continue. Oh, and by the way, when they don't make enough money, taxpayers, you're going to pay off the insurance companies. Oh, that sounds fair. Sounds totally legit to Democrats. It was never going to work. So now that it's failing, they are desperate to pin this on Trump. So they, you will not see any of them call it Obamacare anymore. They will call it the Affordable Care Act in an effort, right, Joe's right, to rebrand it and tie it to Trump because it is going to collapse. There is no mathematical way for this to continue. Okay. Now, a couple of people sent me emails and said, listen, I'm a Republican. I'm a Trump voter. I'm a little worried. Does this mean that if they stop these bailout payments, my insurance payments are going to go up? For some of you, it may. It's a very limited number of people. But folks, again, I, you know, how many times am I going to say this? We got, you got to get big. Yeah, I mean, I'm taking a hit on this tax plan. I, there's certain, it doesn't benefit me. Matter of fact, the tax plan may, in some respects, hurt me a little bit on my, mm. on my tax bill. Not that I want to pay more to the government, but I think it'll benefit the economy overall. Um, you know, I left my job in the Secret Service, gave up absolute job security. I'm not patting myself on the back. I'm just saying I'm not speaking to you with forked tongue. I'm not lecturing anyone. I'm not your preacher. I'm not anybody's, uh, you know, university professor. I'm just a dude who is, you know, I, I'd like to believe I've at least led by some example here before I speak, which I have. I've given up a lot in this fight. And are some of your insurance bills going to go up? Folks, you're either going to pay through your tax bill or you're going to pay. And then you're going to give that money to the insurance company or... We're going to do the right thing, stop taxpayer bailouts of health insurance companies, get rid of Obamacare, and Joe, hopefully in two or three years, your premiums will come down drastically and more than make up for a temporary bump for a very limited number of people this is going to happen to. But my job here is not to lie to you like Democrats. That's not my job. That's not why I do this show. I appreciate the questions. They're very fair questions. I know a lot of you are struggling. But we all are going to have to take a hit a little bit here. In order for long-term prosperity, we're going to have to take a short-term hit. I'm not going to lie to you like the Dems and say, no, 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 the costs just disappear. No, no, we took on a bunch of sick people, but don't worry, they don't cost anything. I'm not suggesting they shouldn't be cared for. I'm just suggesting that we have to be realistic about the costs, and Obamacare wasn't. Now, 
Why does this have to do with the independent piece? Well, now the Democrats, realizing this is all going to go under Joe, are now doubling down on this Medicare for all, which is government-run health care. Now, read this speech about, about the NHS because you'll always hear from the Democrats about how wonderful single-payer health care is overseas. Here's a, from the piece. Here's a quote. The number of patients waiting too long for routine operations has soared to its highest level in nearly a decade amid warnings the NHS is sleepwalking into a winter crisis. Here's a, this is a killer number, folks. No pun intended. Seriously. New NHS data shows that more than 409,000 people waited longer than the official 18-week target for non-urgent treatment in August with hundreds languishing on waiting lists for more than a year. Wow. Folks, think about what I just told you. Whoa. You have almost a half a million people on a waiting list in, quote, government-run health care. You know, single pay free health care, Joe. It's free. Not yeah. to mention their tax load is extraordinary to pay for it. You have a, nearly a half a million people waiting close to four months on a waiting list to be seen for non-urgent care. Now, keep in mind, when they say non-urgent care, they mean non-urgent for the government, not non-urgent for you. You know, you may have a, a torn rotator cuff where you can, like I do right now in my right mm. arm, where you can live through it, but you got to get to work. You need this thing fixed. I'm going to do some stem cells. I'll let you know how it goes. But you see my point, Joe? Sure. By non-urgent, yeah. they mean like you're not going to die tomorrow. It doesn't mean it's not urgent for you. Imagine going in there, right? I have a, a friend. I'm not going to say who she is, but she DM'd me a little while ago. Uh, you know, pretty, pretty solid conservative, and was really, you know, in a bad situation. Said my husband's a mess right now with his shoulders. You know, he basically reached out to me because of my shoulder problems and the stem mm -hmm. cells, and said he basically does a lot of manual labor and says he can't go to work. He can't. He can't live without ibuprofen. I mean, he. You know, folks, I'm lucky. I have been blessed by God and by many of you, by the way, too, who've been nice enough to listen to the show that I don't have to make a living with my hands anymore. I don't have to go out there and, 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 and dig ditches for a living. I have nothing but respect for people who do. But with my body and the condition it's in, I don't know that I physically could do that anymore. So again, just because it's not urgent, meaning my rotator cuff injury, Joe, I'm not going to die from it, doesn't mean it's not urgent for me. People have lives to live. They got to get back to work. You got 500,000 people in, in uh, 409, to be absolutely precise here, who are on waiting lists for over four months and hundreds more for more than a year. And you think this is a good idea. Folks, the why matters. Okay. Why is that? Because you cannot allocate scarce resources in a society in any other than two ways. There is no other way. This is the hard truth for the get big crowd where it needs to understand the real world, not the fantasy land made up by liberals. A scarce resource is a doctor's time, Joe. Correct? Correct. It's scarce. Time is not unlimited. Mm -hmm. Doctors aren't unlimited. And a doctor's time is not unlimited in any respect. If he can do two or three rotator cuff surgeries a day... The only way to incentivize more doctors to do more surgeries is to give them an incentive to do it. That is done by the pricing system that sends a signal to doctors that they should go in that field. That's how the free market works. When the cost for a service, a rotator cuff surgery, goes up to $100,000, doctors go, gosh, I got to get in that field. And more doctors come in and lower the price. It's only worked every single place it's been tried. Flat screen TVs, cell phones, telephone service, computers, and everywhere else. Liberals want to ignore that. 
They want to ignore the pricing system. What they want to do is they want to institute the other way, a rationing system. It is the only other way, folks. Can you suggest to me, you will be the Nobel Prize winner of economics if you can send me an email telling me another way to allocate scarce resources outside of pricing it, meaning allowing uh, suppliers and, uh, and, uh, uh, and demanders of a product to meet on a market clearing price, or you can ration it. That what other way is there to allocate a doctor's time? I'm not kidding. I'm not being silly with you. Send me an email. To, so just my, my problem with this whole thing is where I'm being honest with you saying, folks, pricing is not a panacea. Pricing gets expensive. But that expensive price signals, Joe, other p- suppliers to come in and lower the price. It works mm-hmm. everywhere else it's been tried. There is no solution for rationing. When you have a government run system that allocates time because there is no pricing. You turn your taxpayer money over to the government. They don't use the price model. They just pay it out for you. The only way to allocate the resource is to ration it when the government controls it. You have five chairs and 10 people who want them. You could price them, incentivize people to produce more chairs, or you could say every other person gets a chair. Oh, and by the way, we decide. That's why this is happening. That's why there are 500,000 people on waiting lists because they have to ration it. Folks, for all the failures of our system now, if you can come up with the resources and meet the price, even though our system's broken now, whether it's through charity, through insurance, through your own saved up funds, you will find a doctor to perform a procedure on you. You cannot do that in the UK without the connections. You will be sitting for, quote, non-urgent care on that waiting list because you price or you ration. That is it. There's no other way. And I just wish Democrats would be honest and say after this push for single payer as a result of these Obamacare subsidies trying up to tie this all together in a neat little package here. I wish they would just say to people, we are pushing Medicare for all, which is government run health care, basically. Mm-hmm. And by the way, folks, we're going to have to ration your health care. You know, you may say, God, they would never do that. Why? It's the truth. Why not just say it? Just tell the truth. Now, there's so many other things I want to get to here. Gosh, so much good stuff to tie the whole thing in together. Why are the Democrats, as a response to this drying up of the bailout payments, pushing not to fix the healthcare system, but pushing for the most radical approach, single-payer health care? Why? Well, if you listen to the show, the answer should be obvious right now. Because, folks, again, the only people left in the primary season for Democrat voters who need to win primaries to get on ballots are the angriest, angriest radical leftists. That's it. That's it. The moderate Democrats and the moderate Republicans are moving on. They are getting older. The country is getting collectively older. They only have either illegal immigrants to push into the voting population to take the place of the millennials that are getting older and voting their pocketbooks, not Trump's personality anymore. Or they have to appeal to the most radical, angry leftist left who are left in the party. Joe, who support? Single payer, the most radical idea. This, I'm not making this up. 
The angry left is identity politics and radical leftist policies is the only way to get through right now in a primary because all of the moderate Democrats, not all, but a good swath of them, the millennials grew up, The a lot of the people who are voting pocketbook issues are vo- voting for Trump right now because they don't see him having a heavy attachment to the Republican label. They're like, hey, I'll vote this guy. Things sound generally good, although in an approval poll, I'll tell you I can't stand them. Well, not me. I'm talking for you know other voters. Mm-hmm. They're the angriest people left, and they will support these radical policies. That's why they're doing that, rather than something a little more realistic. All right, what else did I want to get to here? You know what? I'm a. I'm going to get to this story tomorrow because it's going to require me uh, to really dig into it. But uh, let me just tease it a little bit. There is a uh, an interesting story in the Wall Street Journal today about e-commerce versus retail, and uh, you know, I'll, let me just cover it. What the heck? I can do it quick. Uh, I don't want to. I like yeah. to fit you in on your commute home. The gist of it is this, folks. You know, the Democrats line about the economy has always been, you know, technology. ATMs are ruining everything. They're destroying jobs. Robots are destroying jobs. Automation's destroying jobs. Ah! That's all they got. They don't have anything else. They don't understand productivity, total factor productivity, the idea of less inputs, more outputs. They don't understand any of that. Or they do when they're just lying to you. The Democrats' fear of technology is a nonsense, ridiculous, uh, you know, secular stagnation, they call it, base theory, that everything that could be invented, Joe, mm-hmm. has been invented. And oh. now government in the future should just reallocate what's been invented, okay? It's just a dumb, it's stupid. Yeah. But there's a great piece in the Wall Street Journal today about how the Democrats' fears that e-commerce was going to put people out of work are completely unfounded. So again, I like numbers, facts, and data, which are basically like uh, you know garlic to the Democrat vampire. So here are the numbers from the piece. E-commerce, Joe. In other words, like Amazon-type retailing rather than you know the standard old Sears thing where you go to the store yeah. and buy stuff. Yeah. E-commerce wages, Joe, are 31% higher hmm. than the equivalent job in a retail establishment. So if you're in an Amazon fulfillment center working in in fulfillment of goods, but you're not like in a Sears in a storefront, mm-hmm. their wages are 31% higher. Now, you may say, well, what does that have to do with jobs? Retail is down, folks. There's no question the Amazon effect is taking its toll on retail. Retail jobs down 123,000. You may say, well, Dan, you just proved the Democrats' point. You see? Robots did it. ATMs did it. Tidal waves did it. Whatever Obama blamed. The nuclear disaster Obama blamed. <laughs> I mean, these guys hate technology. Retail down 123,000. E-commerce, Joe, up 178,000. And delivery, you know, like being able to deliver from the warehouse, couriers and stuff like that, Mm -hmm. tack on another 58,000 jobs. Folks, now, again, uh, we don't have time for uh, Jay's Jay's abacus to make an appearance today, but Joe doesn't need it to figure out that 178 plus 58,000 is far greater than the 123,000 lost. A perfect example of Schumpeter's creative destruction. Jobs are always going to be lost in the economy, folks. There's no way to preserve. We'd all be in horse and buggy if we wanted to employ horse and buggy drivers. The economy is going to have some winners, and it's always going to have some losers. That's the way the world works. It's a tough place. But don't let the Democrats tell you technology is killing jobs. It's not. It's just producing jobs in different sectors and, more importantly, in greater numbers. All right, folks. Thanks for listening. Please join my email list at Bongino.com. Give us a visit over there. We always appreciate it. And I will see you all tomorrow. You just heard the Dan Bongino Show. Get more of Dan online anytime at conservativereview.com. You can also get Dan's podcasts on iTunes or SoundCloud. And follow Dan on Twitter 24-7 at DBongino.